Hi guys, today our guest is Tom Greenwood from Whole Grain Digital. We talked about the emissions of the software industry, why switching to green energy is not enough to save us, and if you're curious what you can do as a company to improve your software development practices, listen to the conversation with Tom. Enjoy! Hey guys, welcome back to Founding Impact. Today with us is Tom Greenwood from Whole Grain Digital. Hey Tom, nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. So, Tom, you're a specialist in the topic of uh, sustainability in the software. And before we jump deep dive into the topic, I would really love to learn a little bit more about your way there. Like how it happened that you ended up in, in such an impactful uh, area and uh, what, what drives you, what motivates you to, to focus exactly on this one? Sure. So um, if we go like right back to kind of when I started my career, I, w I originally studied industrial design, so like designing physical things, and that's what mm -hmm. I really wanted to do. Um, but I was also really in interested in environmental issues. So my dream was that I would be a product designer designing like eco products so, so that we could kind of get rid of all these environmental issues of like things burning energy and like ending up in landfill and all of this. And, and that's where I started my career. But But I, I kind of got a bit disillusioned with it, feeling like, well, like, I don't really know. This problem is too big. I don't know how to solve it. But, but I got really excited by digital technology. Um, that was kind of, you know, it was like early 2000s. I was, it, was, it was like a new, exciting thing. And I thought, wow, like we could just like get rid of all of the physical stuff and make it all digital. And then we'd get rid of all the environmental impacts and everything, <laughs> everything would be perfect. <laughs> it was like this kind of like futurist utopia um, that I was dreaming of. So, so I, I moved into, into digital design and kind of thought that like, well, that's it, like problem solved, we'll just make everything digital, um, which was very exciting. But then it was probably about six years ago, um, I, I, I researched like, well, what is the environmental impact of digital technology? I'd never really actually looked into it. I just assumed that there was no impact. Um, So I started researching it and found out that actually there is this like enormous environmental impact from the internet and all of the other kind of software that we use. And, and that was, that was the thing that kind of then set me on this path of saying, okay, well, in that case, I need to figure out like, how are we as a company, um, gonna like quantify that impact, um, and actually find ways of reducing it. And, and that kind of, yeah, it's how I ended up in this field. So there was an intersection of your passion for design and also to uh, bring positive environmental t uh, impact to the table. Uh, I like the, the pivot from, from physical things. Uh, I'm not so sure if we can live without physical <laughs> objects and <laughs> yeah. everything yeah. that we need in a daily life. But, but come uh, on, metaverse is well, coming, right? Yeah, I think, Matt, uh, I think Mark Zuckerberg's got... <laughs> there, there are definitely got people that, that would, that would uh, disagree. Uh, but yeah, um, so maybe going a bit more into like um, understanding the, the context of, of what you you discovered with uh, with the footprint of the software solutions so at the beginning you said okay there is no impact in a sense of software it's not really harmful and then your discovery was that it's it's the opposite and can you tell us a, a bit more like how uh, how big of the footprint of the software industry is in comparison maybe to other industries or like when it comes to like having specific numbers yeah sure so i mean if we look at just carbon emissions um mm -hmm. which is which is only one impact mm -hmm. if you take the internet as a whole as like one giant machine um including all of the data centers the telecoms networks the the billions of end user devices 
um, and all of the energy they consume and you add that up, it all adds up to somewhere between 2.1 and 3.9% um, of global greenhouse gas emissions is the latest estimate. So you might think, well, 2.1% doesn't sound that much, but global aviation is 2.1% of global greenhouse gas emissions. So so you're basically saying it's equal or greater than aviation. Um, and I think most of us have some awareness that like aviation is is, is a fair, <laughs> fairly polluting industry but yeah. the like software side of things we, we tend to look at and, and and don't really think about the environmental impact sorry i was going to say there's also like i mean there's there's like the energy that you're using um but there's also some other impacts around like the hardware and like, like where does that physically come from where does it go so um you know there's like 45 million tons of electronic waste every year produced um globally which is like um it's like <laughs> it's, it's a number that's hard 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 to hard to explain i think it's like 15 eiffel towers or something of just like th- trashed computers being thrown away every single year um and then there's like water consumption um which you don't think of that much but like power stations consume huge amounts of fresh water for cooling um um as well as data centers like one of the ways that we're making data centers more energy efficient is by taking like really good clean drinking water <laughs> and, and running it over the servers <laughs> to cool them down so there's like the, the more you dig into it the kind of the, like the more you realize that these impacts are, are like quite significant and like they're real physical impacts they're not virtual yeah that was going to be my my second question so when we are talking about like um the footprint of the industry so on one hand there's co2 emissions uh, stemming from the energy that is being used. On the other hand, is all the raw materials and production um, capabilities to to deliver the, all those server, servers, electronics to the market, and obviously to operate it yeah. uh, on a daily basis, data centers and so on and so forth. There is water for cooling, and yeah, this is like the the main the main package. Let's say something that we should take into account when it comes to ecological footprint of the of the entire industry. Yeah, definitely. What you said got my attention. Like something that we should take into consideration so is it really happening that people are really taking this into consideration do you think if it's possible to say that there is already a trend in the market for uh, building more so- sustainable more greener software hardware whatever the, the the aspect we we target do you think we are already there that people are really actively thinking and trying to change or it's still a long way in front of us i don't think we're there um but I think we're on the way. I think like a few years ago, I would have said like, we're not even on the way. Like this, like, it's not even really a conversation in the like digital sector at all. Whereas now it does seem to be a topic that's getting attention. There's a lot of people talking about it and ranging from like really big, big companies like Microsoft, like um, all the way down to like small businesses like ours. So I think, I think it's a topic that's getting attention and people are starting to, you know, like research into it and, and try to develop solutions. So I think it's early days, but but I'm optimistic that we're on the right track now. Yeah, yep. yeah go, please. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, <laughs> like typically when we when you work, work with your uh, clients, do they see it as, as an important um, aspect of collaborating with you and improving their websites and applications, or they focus more on the design part and, and the nice to have part is being a, a bit more sustainable and uh, in software development yeah definitely so the, the environmental part is definitely always a nice to have okay. it's never like the core requirement i say it's never the core requirement we do now get people um coming to us 
just asking us to help kind of reduce the impact of their website, for example. That's sort of like, we've got something and we realize it's really inefficient. Can you, can you now bolt on the solution at the end to make it more efficient? But the most of the work we do, clients, like they want, they, they've got commercial objectives. So there's a reason they're spending money on a project. So those commercial objectives are always the most important thing for them in terms of like user experience and conversion rates and so on. Um, and then the environmental aspect is, is the icing on the cake. It's like, they would like us to do that, um, but it's not the main reason for the project. And if you would, uh, have to like point out in your, you know, you observe the market, you know that we are very early on the way to, to become really sustainable. And if you would have to uh, point out into things that you think need to happen right here, right now to really push the movement, like would it be uh, more conscious activities from big corporations like for example what Microsoft is trying to start to do so you would look more into corporates or more like bottom-up approach so the developers or the startups of those almost billions probably small projects if they would be more conscious which direction you would say is more opportunity lies to make that make the change or run the change quicker yeah it's a great question i mean i think ideally it would come from both ends <laughs> <Of> course, <yeah. laughs> um, but if you make but if i had to, if i had to pick one i'd probably go with the bottom up approach because i think actually a lot of the a lot of the solutions can come from the people who are really doing the work the people who are doing the design the development people who are specifying the hosting environment, the people who are creating the content. I think if it comes from them and they learn like better ways of doing things, a lot of these things can be done almost by stealth. You know, it's like <laughs> your manager doesn't even need to approve it. Because um, <laughs> as long as you like meet your like core requirements for the project, then like the other stuff is is a bonus. So I think it's easier to come bottom up and I think it probably is more powerful that way because if you get conversations going between the people who are really like on the ground doing the work, that's where like they're going to innovate and come up with new ideas. Whereas I think the top down approach is is great and the more of that we have, the better. But you're not that those people are not necessarily coming with any solutions. They're just saying, make it green, um, <laughs> you know, and then and then everyone else will be like, oh, what are you talking about? How do we do that? Um, yeah. So yeah. I think Sounds it kind so of simple, right? needs to come. More from the bottom up, yeah. So the question, make it more greener, pops up and then everyone's like scratching its head. So I think that's one of the problems that there is not enough information, not enough use cases, benchmarks, or even like know-how, basic know-how, how to do it. Is it simple to do it? Is it hard right now? Like from our perspective, obviously we have also software backgrounds and, and we do have work with clients mm. building various software solutions, but we really rarely get this question from our clients or people who want to work with us. It's hard for us even to, to start trans like going into this direction because there is no need from our clients. So, okay, we can offer this option. Would they buy it? Would they understand what they want to, to get? Like how, what's the easy way to, to explain them? What's the green in this context? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, and we've, we've had this challenge. It's less of an issue now, but I mean, we only have to go back about two years and none of our clients knew what we were talking mm -hmm. about. Um, so it's changed a lot quite quickly, but... I, th <laughs> I think I think the main things to explain is that basically there's, there's two core things you're going to do for them. One is make it super efficient. And, and, and essentially, when you make it energy efficient, you're really just making it data efficient. You're making it computationally efficient. So the one is just making it super efficient, which I think most people can get on board with. Um, and the other one is hosting in a data center powered by renewable energy, which as long as they don't have to really do anything that's going to 
like cost them a lot more or massively inconvenience them. If you can make that happen for them, um, generally they don't really fight it. They're like, okay, well, if that's an easy switch for us to make um, and you can do it for us, then then great. We're all in favor of renewable energy. So, so that's kind of the the two key things in terms of explaining what we're going to do. But but the other thing I think to explain is like the benefit to them. If you make it super efficient, you're basically ending up with a higher quality product. It's going to, if it's more efficient, it's going to be faster, which improves user experience. Um, I mean, it depends what type of software you're developing, but mm-hmm. any type of software, if it's fast, people are happy. Um, nobody, <laughs> nobody likes slow software, right? Um, and then as well, like if you make it super efficient, you're probably, if, if it's something you're operating at large scale, then there's almost certainly a benefit in terms of actually reducing hosting costs because hosting, essentially what you're paying for is like the amount of computer work that needs to be done. So the less computer work that needs to be done, the less you're going to spend on your hosting. So if you can convert the kind of the environmental benefits into commercial benefits and and explain that to them, then generally they're like pretty on board um, with the concept. They might not necessarily be on board with every every little detail of your solution, but they're on board with the concept. Okay, that's something. I like the approach that you mentioned about like explaining it as as a performance challenge, because to me it's like super straightforward. If I wasn't like a technical person, then I would know what performance means. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is very easy to understand, but is there any difference when you improve the performance just for the sake of better speed? as opposed to environmental impact? Are those like to, to the same things or you need to have something else in mind when you optimize for ecological footprint and not only for, for speed? I think generally they're, they're nearly always actually the same okay. thing, um, which is great because that means that you're killing two birds with one stone. And, and I think it's easier for people to get their heads around. There are, however, cases where, for example, optimizing for speed doesn't necessarily have the environmental benefits. So for example... There may be cases where you're like preloading some content um, in order to create the the impression of like a fast user experience, mm-hmm. but you're not actually, but you're still loading the same amount of data. You may even be doing more work because like you're you're having to process like the kind of the staggering of the the loading and so on. So there may be some cases where you create something that seems super fast, but actually in the background there's loads of like invisible work happening, mm-hmm. um, and that's not necessarily like energy efficient. Um, but in most cases, like I think I'd say 90% of what we would do to make something fast is going to make it more energy efficient. Okay. So to sum it up, I'm a founder of a startup. I'm sold on the concept of, of the green, uh, yep. green software. What are the things, the simplest things, the low hanging fruits uh, that I can reach out to, to make my software more greener? Where should I even start like, you know, digging the problem? does depend on what type of software you're building um Mm -hmm. but like low-hanging fruits are like really basic things like image optimization i mean because just literally loading images at the correct size and having them run through a compression tool before they go online and serving them in the most efficient format so for example like webp instead of jpeg those sorts of things can let's save huge amounts of data um, and make things faster but they're easy because once you set it up once, it just works every time. And like from a design point of view, you didn't have to change anything. Like it still looks the same. But it's amazing how like re- how often those things are not done. Um, so like image optimization is one like really easy low hanging fruit. Um, I'd also say like 
choosing a hosting provider that's got a commitment to using renewable energy in the data center is also a low-hanging fruit in many cases because, again, you don't necessarily actually have to physically change much in terms of like what you've designed and developed. You, you're just migrating it from one place to another. And once you've done it once, it's, it's done. That said, if you're like using a hosting solution that has like proprietary technology, that means you can't move then <laughs> for AWS, for example, um, then that's like a more tricky problem. But for a lot of stuff, if it's kind of ag- new, if it's technology agnostic um, software where you can kind of host it on any hosting provider, it's kind of fairly generic, then um, yeah, that's a, that's an easy, an easy win. Uh, yeah, the fun stuff. If, if, if I were yeah. to build a, a technical team that would help with those kind of optimizations, would I be able to rely on, let's say, regular developers who have a clue about performers? Or I would need to speak with someone who has more experience in thinking about software development uh, from the perspective of ecological footprint? Or would it be just sufficient, guys, let's make it, let's lower the footprint, please optimize it in, in that way? Or rather, I really need to consult with someone first. No, those guys can definitely do it. Um, the challenge that we've got at the moment, and this is like across the whole kind of digital sector, is is difficulty actually measuring the impact. So there aren't many like really good and easy to use tools out there that you can use for different types of software to measure like the amount of energy consumed. And there's also not a lot of agreement across the industry about like like what should you be measuring? Um, it sounds like a simple question, like how much energy does it use? But it's like, okay, but how do we know how much it's using in the data center? How much do we know how much it's using in the telecoms networks that we don't like have any access to? And it and the distances change for every visitor. Like somebody might live next door, like down the road from the data center and somebody else might live in like Australia. So how do we, you know, and then what device are they using? And like, there's so many variables that actually like coming up with an agreed, like, calculation method that's easy to follow is really difficult so i think the guys like you know any any like competent development team can make things more efficient um and they don't need to be experts in like environmental management or anything um but the bit that we're missing is like some tools that just make it easy for those teams to be able to like run their software through a test and say oh look we like improved it by 10 percent um those things are like hopefully coming but don't really don't really exist at the moment yeah i can i can tell it from, from our own experience um with working with with all sorts of clients our team is not like specifically oriented to develop software in a sustainable way there was no like demand from our clients to be exi- to be um 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 to be what <laughs> <laughs> to develop the software to be honest way? to be honest uh and um obviously performance is something that you don't at least in our case that we don't focus at uh, on at the very beginning it's rather delivering the the func- uh, the working prototype and mvp something that actually uh, is able to add value mm-hmm. to to the clients of our clients but not necessarily yeah. something that is super fast and all, only the the performance matters at least uh, like in general but not at the beginning so all sorts of optimizations are usually done a bit later on. And uh, we had the same problem of not exactly knowing what kind of changes would actually make a difference. Uh, obviously, there are all sorts of libraries helping you to estimate the footprint, uh, but without like having a, a bit of experience and uh, knowing in practice what that means. 
it was just difficult to have that in mind uh, on a daily basis while delivering all sorts of functionalities. How did it work like in your case? Did you just started like experimenting with different tools and trying to come up with something on your own and then getting a, a feeling of, of, of what kind of a decrease of, let's say, in, in that case, CO2 emissions you can deliver? Or um, there was already something you relied on and, and just implemented in, in your daily operations? No. So when we first started looking into this, we, there was, we could find some like research around the impact of the whole internet, but we, there was nothing we could find that actually provided any way of calculating the impact of like an individual, I mean, in our case, websites, because that's what we do, but any form of software. Um, so the, the, one of the first things we did was we like, we spent a lot of time reading the peer reviewed studies that were done for the internet as a whole and like looked at the methodology of like how they work and the numbers they'd come up with. And then kind of reverse engineered that back to like, okay, well, how do we apply this to an individual website and have a formula where we can, like we've got variables that we can put in that will give us an energy estimate and in turn a carbon estimate for for that website or that web page. Um, so we ended up developing that ourselves, but then over time there are like other tools have emerged that are also really useful in trying to cover things that are, like our own methodology doesn't cover. So for example, um, the Safari browser now has an energy impact tool. It doesn't tell you everything, but it gives you an indication of like how much CPU energy is being used on the end user's device. Um, which is which is really interesting to see. Um, there's also a tool, um, I think it's called the, oh, it's it's like the green green cloud footprint tool or something. Um, but it's it's open source. And it's it's available from ThoughtWorks, which is like a big software agency over in the US. Um, so I'm sure if you Google ThoughtWorks cloud footprint tool or something, you'll find it. Um, but that's a tool. They've got an open source tool now that you can plug into your either your AWS account or your Google Cloud Platform account, and it will then give you um, like energy and carbon estimates for like your usage as, as well as suggest like what operations are actually like creating like the biggest impact. So there's like gradually more tools kind of coming up that we're researching and trying to like build into our, our process so that we can chip away at like little bits that we don't understand. It's like, ah, there's a new tool that will <laughs> <laughs> help us understand this bit a little bit better. And then once you understand that bit a little bit better, then you can actually say, well, okay, well, basically if we, you know, for example, like I mentioned in image optimization earlier. So that was like a big focus for us early on. It's like, okay, well, how do we make sure that happens every time? And now it's just, we've just got a, a workflow. We don't even have to really do it because we've got a, like a, we've got, we've got a framework that we've built ourselves for work, like WordPress development where all of that stuff is now just baked in. So now that's just not even a thought. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think gradually once you identify like, okay, this has an impact we can reduce it this way. We'll just like now we'll just do that as standard. Um, and gradually things get more efficient over time. That's great. Uh, it's like green blood is, uh, uh, runs through your uh, software veins. Uh, but if we can come back, yeah. <laughs> if we can come back uh, for a while um, to the question from the perspective of a founder, there are obviously some low hanging fruits that you mentioned, but uh, and yeah. it makes sense from the perspective of um, the efficiency of being faster, better, etc. But especially at this early stage, what uh, founders um, are really uh, struggle with are the costs. So if you would uh, have yes. to point out into the, the cost perspective of building something, let's say in a standard normal way versus the green way, I can assume the green way is more um, costly. Is that 
true and if yes then how much i think i think that's a fair a fair comment to some extent it does depend because of what i mentioned a minute ago about like mm -hmm. building things into the workflow the first time that you try to like research an area of of if like inefficiency and find a solution to it that takes you time and somebody has to pay for that time um but once you've done it once and you build it into your workflow then actually the next time mm -hmm. it doesn't really cost anything extra because yep. it's now just standard so there's kind of some upfront investment and i guess there's a question as to like how that gets paid for <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> how like you know are certain clients paying for it or is it something that the kind of the business is absorbing as an over as an investment in the future um and so from a founder's point of view your question of like mm -hmm. will it cost more i i think if you're it depends what end of the market you're at in terms of and i'll speak in terms of web design if, yeah. if i may just because that's sort of that's our example, industry yeah. i know that you're more into yep. sort of software development but in website design there's like the market has become like quite broad at the one end you've got like template website builders that are really really cheap because they're just templated but you can't really like, get any efficiency in there because there's you don't have the opportunity to actually change anything you, you you take you get what you're given it's that simple but it's really cheap at the other end of the spectrum you've got like fully bespoke like everything is designed and developed just for you um, and that's really expensive and so like whether it's more expensive or not Part of it is that you're going to have to be more towards that bespoke end of the spectrum than you are towards the templated end of the spectrum in order to like build in these efficiencies. Um, so, so yes, um, <laughs> is is the answer to your question of like, will it be more expensive? But if you were already going to go towards that more bespoke mm -hmm. end of the spectrum, then maybe it doesn't cost you any more. If you can find somebody who already has a workflow where like their team are either already um, like really invested in like green software development or even if they're just really invested in high-performance software development, um, then they're probably already going to have like workflows and ways of developing that are really efficient anyway. And it might not necessarily cost you a lot more um, to, to pursue that angle. Yeah, I would say like in our case, that would mean spending more a bit more time on um, analyzing the situation from the performance perspective. So obviously committing a few hours here and there. And then once you have the know-how and like uh, it's part of your flow, as, as you Tom described, then it's it's a bit more automatic. So there is always like a few hours more, but at the same time, it may, might save you spending those hours in optimizing anyway later on when you need higher performance in different areas of, of okay, your Okay, but what about, for example, green uh, servers? Are they still more expensive? They cost the same? Generally, they cost the same. Um, we've not found any like, actual cost difference um, between like hosting providers that have a renewable energy commitment and those that don't. So oh, that's great. I think as long as you can find one that actually meets your technical requirements, mm -hmm. then then it shouldn't cost you any more. Okay, that's that's a good news. And I'm I'm always always yeah. curious, and um, it might be a stupid question, but um, what's your view on making all those optimizations and putting a lot of effort into speeding up your websites, your applications, as opposed to having more energy from renewable sources and not being concerned with how fast it runs sure so you mean like if you just didn't bother with like optimizing and you just said well let's just like use renewable energy and not worry about exactly it. that's a great question i think there's a, there's a couple of angles one is um in terms of the actual amount of the energy that's used in 
Well, firstly, we can only control the energy in the data center. Mm-hmm. It, so we don't have any control over the telecoms networks or like the end users devices because there's like mm-hmm. loads of people out there we don't know where their electricity came from so the only bit we can control is the data center and and that's like 10 to 20 percent of the energy consumption of like a software product so so the other 80 percent is still going to be in our own optimizations um so i think that's the like the first thing we should but but the other thing is also that one of the one of the limiting factors for the whole world in terms of like decarbonizing our power grid is that there's just not enough renewable energy to power all the things. Um, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yet, but we've got this kind of this chase where um, we can approach it two ways: we can either build more renewables or we can use less energy. And actually, what we kind of need to do is is move like do both come from both ends and meet in the middle somewhere so and and there's so we need to do that in software as well we need to like improve efficiency but also move to renewable energy and um and we're seeing it in some cases like for example there's been a couple of instances in the netherlands where there's been a bit of outrage around like the building of new data centers and in ireland as well where there's loads of data centers um that the data centers are like now hoovering up all the renewable energy because they want to be able to say, hey, we use 100% renewable energy, but they use so much power that they basically just like buy it all up off the power companies. And then, and then, and then the Irish, like Irish government's like, oh, we need to build another power station because um, <laughs> there's like another too many data centers. So, um, so there's this like tension between like, yes, renewable energy is good and we should power our data centers with renewable energy, but equally, like, if, so we also need to reduce the sheer amount of energy that is being gobbled up by these data centers. So since the energy problem is not really solved and we don't have abundance of, of cheap and green energy, it's it's not really the case that we can forget about optimization. And you also mentioned like 80% of the computation that is being done is uh, on devices that we don't really control. We, I mean, someone who does a, builds a website or builds a, a, a web application uh, to that, that serves some some sorts of clients okay so this is um i had like a super crazy image in my head when you mentioned that we cannot influence like what type of energy our consumers uh, are using i had this view of a founder building super awesome software that will run only on computers that are you know runs on green energy you have to show your bill first before you enter the enter the application <laughs> the problem <laughs> Yeah, there's like a verification process before yeah. you can have access. <laughs> the conclusion from it was that uh, we need to optimize. We should be uh, looking into it uh, because it's a too complex of a problem to just to rely on on energy, green energy sources, and we don't have enough of it anyway. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe looking a bit from the perspective of you as a as a company. So apart from uh, from your um, way of, of building software in a sustainable way. Is there anything else that you do internally that uh, represents the same uh, kind of thinking and that also commits to lower emissions and lower footprint? Yeah, so, I mean, we've always tried to find ways of running the actual operations of the company in a more environmentally friendly way. So part of that was like that we were doing um, like hybrid working, which is like now the normal thing um, but we were doing this like over a decade ago in a way as a way of like reducing the size of the office and reducing the amount of energy used for like commuting to and from the office um, 
So that's kind of always been a part of our standard, as well as like making sure the office itself has a renewable energy, um, a renewable energy supply. Um, but then other things we've done, um, like we introduced a no-fly policy about five years ago. So we've realized that about 30% of our emissions as a company were like flying um, to conferences, to visit clients. Um, but it was none of it was really necessary. It was all like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we like, <laughs> went know, to visit these the people feeling. over there in Germany? Like, <laughs> yeah, shake um, the hands. Yeah. So... Yeah, exactly. So, so we just introduced like a flat no fly policy um, as a way of like literally like reducing our emissions by thirty percent and didn't do our business any harm. We're, I mean, we're lucky of the industry that we're in that like we can do like video calls and um, and things like that. So, so that's been that's been good. Um, we also introduced because we're doing a lot of um, like people are working a lot from home. We also wanted to make sure that the energy they're using at home is also coming from a renewable supply. So. Um, so we introduced a, an incentive where people would get an extra day of holiday every year. We also offered them money, but no one seemed interested. Um, <laughs> so the holiday thing seemed to stick. What do you mean? Um, they'd get an extra day of holiday if they switched their home energy to a renewable energy provider. And and that like we went from like two people uh, to two people in the company to like all everybody, the whole company now mm-hmm. has a renewable cool. energy provider at home, which is great. Um, we also have a vegetarian food policy, which was, which was introduced, I think three years ago, there was a vote in the team. I didn't think that one would ever happen. Um, but we had a vote. It was like what people thought we should do in terms of like make having a food policy that is more environmentally friendly. Um, and there were various different options. And the one that got, I think about 65% of people voted for, it was like all food should be vegetarian. I said, okay, that's okay. We can do that. Um, uh, yeah and we also have another thing where um, in terms of personal travel we realize even though we have a no-fly policy now as a company we realize that like everyone still goes on holiday (laughs) on an airplane right so as a group of people we're still like got like this huge carbon footprint Um, so we we we, we've got a a scheme called climate perks um, which is actually organized by a charity in the UK called Possible who designed the scheme because it's to make sure that it to make sure that it works. Um, but the idea is essentially that if somebody decides to take their holiday without using an airplane, they get extra time off um, because it takes longer to get somewhere without an airplane. And that's kind of one of the main barriers. Um, so for example, like if we if somebody in our company decided, I'm going to go to Switzerland on holiday, but I'm going to take the train instead of fly to Geneva, then you could say, okay, well, that's like, it's probably going to take them an extra half day each way to take the train from London to Geneva rather than flying. So they basically just get that extra time off. That hasn't been used much in the last couple of years <laughs> for obvious reasons. And no one's been anywhere. Um, <laughs> but I think it will, I think it will do now. Um, yeah, and when you say like there is like 30% of your emissions are flights, do you make any exceptions if you really need to, to fly somewhere? I mean, some, some, sometimes there is just time pressure or, you know, like going to the US, it's not exactly possible by train from Europe. So <laughs> No, it's a great question. I mean, so no, we don't make any exceptions. Um, and we've had this policy, I think, for five years. Um, okay. And it's been fine. It's been fine. We've got clients in the US and Canada. Um, 
and never been to see them and that's worked okay but i do i do hear what you're saying and and it has been at various points we've thought about like well like what if we wanted to open an office in the us or australia or something like that and 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 ultimately we've always just decided well let's just not do that um, <laughs> but if we did like how does that how would that work and that's yeah. something that we'd have to figure out um there's another company i know which is a really big company um in the uk um like big property management company uh so they manage like all these like huge uh, commercial office buildings and they introduced a like a partial no flat policy so it was basically said if you can get there within four hours without an airplane don't use an airplane but if you can't get there within four hours then fair enough so the idea was that like people could get anywhere in the united kingdom without mm-hmm. an airplane because you know there's a lot of internal flights that people fly from london to edinburgh for example um so they can eliminate all of that as well as like london to paris london to amsterdam like places that people do a lot of frequent trips but are not actually that far away so they can eliminate all of that but then if someone needs to go on a business trip to dubai um it's like well fair enough like (laughs) you can use an aeroplane for that we're not going to make you uh like travel over land Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's like different variations, um, and there is a scheme in um, in Germany actually uh, called "Loving the Atmosphere." I don't know what the the German words for it are, but if you Google so sure the language "Loving the Atmosphere," you'll find. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and and it's like a pledging thing where companies can sign up for like different levels of pledging, like how much they'll not fly for business. So there's like what like the maximum level is like we just won't fly fly at all, but there's also levels like. I think one of the levels is we won't use internal flights. And then the other level is like, we won't fly to neighboring countries of Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite, it's quite nice like to think about like there are, there's a, like you don't have to go all in. You could like go partially. Yeah. I've seen also a couple of uh, startup solutions uh, or solutions built by startups that help mostly corporates to suggest their employees alternative solutions okay if you would go by plane your emissions will be x but think about taking a train then it would mean this and that and if you will choose a train over the plane then you got some benefits uh, corporate benefits of course but this type of like more professionalized uh, type of schemes are already working and there's quite a quite a nice choose from i think so there is a direction to to make it more popular this type of um, approach to the problem yeah i think so yeah and like those examples with, with all sorts of p- pledges and policies, we'll try to include as many links as possible under the under the video. Um, maybe just to wrap, uh, wrap things up a bit. Um, so we talked about the footprint of the software industry, which is about 2.1, you said, Tom? 2.1 yeah. of global emissions. So it's comparable with, with the a- aviation industry uh, that we usually consider yeah. or see as as a big polluter so the problem is huge and this is why it me it's not so easy just to switch to green energy which we don't really have in abundance but we need to optimize things on different levels to make software faster which in most cases maybe not all of them but in most cases it means that it, it would be uh, the, the footprint of it would be would be lower. Yeah. The easiest way to start is to engage the team your tech team in a way that they have performance in mind even though they might not be environmental yeah. experts it would still make sense 
um, to uh, for them to 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 make some tweaks here and there. And uh, I really like your examples from your own company, how you organize things internally, having all sorts of policies policies to uh, to cover like no flight. Uh, uh, rules and uh, without making any exceptions in the last five years that's <laughs> that's really impressive <laughs> <laughs> i also like what you said like uh, yeah we, we could have an we maybe we could we would we should have an office in new york but then it's we have the snow flight policy so we just want to open it <laughs> which is obviously a bit <laughs> of an extreme but um but still um maybe a lot of things that we do are not really needed that that's my conclusion um yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is all that we wanted to cover today. Thank you so much, Tom, for your time, and thank you so much for having us, for thank being you. with us. That's all right. Well, thank you. It's been <laughs> thank fun. You.